So I gave my talk the title Catholic Patriotism in a Protestant Nation. I've got nothing against nationalism. I'm using the term patriotism rather than speaking about Catholic nationalism just because I think when people refer to Catholic nationalism, they're usually talking about Catholics who live in Catholic nations, Catholic nationalists in France, Poland, the Philippines, and so on. Here, people usually talk about Catholic patriotism rather than Catholic nationalism, and I think it's because this isn't a Catholic nation. You'll hear a lot these days about Christian nationalism. People who talk about that are, I believe, without exception, talking about Protestants. And I think this simple linguistic usage actually points to an important problem. America's never been a Catholic nation, uh, and to the extent that America has what could be called a national religion, it would appear to be Protestantism. In fact, in a way, the U.S. may be the only country for which the national religion would be, if anything, Protestantism. The national religion of Norway is Lutheranism. In Great Britain, it's Anglicanism. In the U.S., it seems to be just Protestantism. Because if you look through the many different churches that make up American Protestantism, you can pro find probably just two things they all agree on. Jesus, yes. Catholicism, no. Now, of course, unlike Norway and Great Britain and many others, the U.S. has never had officially a national religion. But when your population overwhelmingly identifies as Protestant, when that population is willing to bring to bear Protestant moral convictions on your public life, and when that population elects most of your officials and staffs all your juries, what you have is an unofficial establishment of Protestantism, at least barring any major judicial intervention to the contrary, to which I'll come back in a sec. Tocqueville called that unofficial establishment, quote, the first of their, that is the Americans' political, political institutions. Now, most people today would say, well, yeah, maybe it used to be like that, but that's, that's all old history now, which to some extent is true, but why is it true? What happened? There was no constitutional amendment. There was no major uh, and unprecedented legislation the way we had on race, and for good reason. Rather, there was just, uh, or at least rather the main, the main difference, the main change uh, for our unofficial Protestant establishment just came when a few Supreme Court justices decided, A, that the 14th Amendment incorporates the Establishment Clause against the states, which it doesn't, and B, that when the founders wrote the Establishment Clause, they were constitutionally enshrining a theoretically pure version of secularism, which they weren't. I should mention, though, our, our national push for secularism came, as I said, mostly through the courts, not entirely. There was also, for example, a demand by many Catholic parents to take Bible reading out of the public schools on the grounds that it was the wrong Bible, namely the King James. I'll come back to that point in a few minutes. But as I was starting to say, I don't think we should ever try to treat religion like race. We should not aspire to be a, a nation in which the relation between God and his human creation is thought to be irrelevant to our common life. A nation like that would be what we call a secularist nation. I have the sense that at this conference I don't need to spend the time explaining why secularism is a bad idea. I'll just give you one of the many, many quotes about it by Joseph Ratzinger before he became Pope Benedict XVI. Quote, has the world become brighter more joyful, more free, since it hid God away? Has humanity not precisely thereby been robbed of its dignity, condemned to an empty freedom, and prepared to enact all manner of horrors?" Close quote. But if we agree that religion should be relevant to our public life, then it seems like that may take us back to the old unofficial Protestant establishment, which may seem like a strange thing for Catholics to feel patriotic about. It's in response to that difficulty, I suspect, that we've seen so many conservative Catholic intellectuals throughout our nation's history try to suggest that America may be, or may become, somehow more Catholic than it currently seems to be. 
One simple version of that would say, Protestantism is on the decline and Catholicism is on the rise. You know, we have more babies. Or, this one you hear more often from ex-Protestants, maybe Protestantism is just so unattractive that sooner or later, they're all gonna leave it in droves and turn Catholic. A different and more complicated version of this conservative Catholic optimism might say, the American constitutional structure is more indebted to the natural law tradition than most Americans realize, and so maybe Catholic intellectuals steeped in that tradition can understand our nation even better than its own founders did. Or alternatively, maybe the problem is that our nation needs to move away from the American founders and Catholic intellectuals are the only ones who understand why. Either way, either way, maybe now is finally the time when Catholics will step forward to provide the whole American nation with the new conservative, religiously informed governing philosophy that the nation so badly needs in order to renew its fraying social fabric, particularly and most recently after the collapse, first theological and then the demographic collapse of the Protestant mainline. That Catholic American optimism, or at least its most extreme version, can be found in the writings of Orestes Brownson, whose predictions in 1866 about the rosy future of American Catholicism have given me a deeper appreciation of what my students mean by the word cringe, used as an adjective. <laughs> but there have been other, more moderate versions of that optimism after Brownson. It's often now associated, fairly or unfairly, with Father John Courtney Murray, and weirdly, you even encounter some new versions of it today. I don't think any version of this Catholic optimism is correct. I just don't think there's any empirical evidence for this. The voting public remains overwhelmingly either Protestant or ex-Protestant. If religion is gonna have any effect on our national public life today, it will be roughly the same kind of religion that Tocqueville described 200 years ago, anti-intellectual, anti-liturgical, low-church Protestantism, remarkably well-reconciled to the love of mammon. And, for all that, still way better than secularism, as Tocqueville also rightly insisted. Catholics have had a significant, even occasionally outsized influence on the American nation, but they don't set the overall tone, either for culture or for politics, and there is no foreseeable mechanism by which they could do so, nationally at least, in our children's lifetimes. And so I propose a third approach for American Catholics. We don't want a secularist country. We're not going to be a Catholic country. Reconcile yourself to the fact that the U.S. is now, and humanly speaking, ought to remain, in some sense, a Protestant country. Our unofficial establishment is now much weaker than it once was. It's not entirely gone. And in some places, it could be partly revived. Our Supreme Court appears, as we speak, to be wriggling out of the stranglehold that secularist theory had held it in for some three generations. It's just possible that our children may see, in some parts of the country, a greater role for religion in public life than we were allowed to have when Sandra Day O'Connor was making us measure the distance from the public school Christmas crash to Rudolph's nose. If that happens, then the religion that plays a greater role in American national life will be, by and large, Protestant religion, along with those aspects of non-Protestant religions that Protestants find most congenial. There are obvious downsides to that for non-Protestants, but it's the hand we've been dealt, and there are upsides too. As establishments go, our American unofficial Protestant establishment had been awfully tolerant, as establishments go. It had different flavors in different states and localities since it wasn't primarily a federal matter. And at least since the early 19th century, Protestantism didn't, established Protestantism wasn't an established church. Protestantism isn't a church. It's a collection of different churches. 
That's been good for non-Protestants. The thing established was not some single coherent entity. It was just a cluster of fairly similar religious opinions. Other opinions that fell a little bit outside that circle, non-Protestant opinions, have benefited from the Protestant establishment to the extent they share something in common with it. You see that especially, I think, in the history of American Catholics, Jews, and Mormons, all of whom have suffered sometimes at the hands of the Protestant establishment, but all of whom have at times benefited from it. I hope they'll all, I hope they'll all continue to benefit from it, and I think there's good reason to expect they will. I also hope that one day we might see, in this generally Protestant country, a few localities with a distinctively Catholic flavor, as we certainly used to have in the last century. But in the meantime, I do think we need a new generation of American patriots who are able to love the country to which they belong, while realizing that it will never fully belong to them. And there is lots to love about that country. A couple of my fellow panelists are going into that, so I'll just throw out a few closing suggestions as to why a reasonable Catholic might have a patriotic love of a basically Protestant nation. The most important consideration is, of course, as it always is in politics, what are your alternatives? Do you miss having public schools that opened with the Our Father and read from the King James Bible? Do you prefer the new public schools? Apply that to the rest of our public life. If you can feel nostalgic for a more Protestant America, then I would suggest you already know how to love a Protestant nation. Not so much because it's Protestant as because it's Christian, or even just because it's human. Much more human than the alternatives. Edmund Burke already said it in 1790. Protestants and Catholics, he said, quote, begin more and more plainly to discern that we have all a common cause as against a common enemy, close quote. And so he said, we Protestants in England will support the Catholic establishment in France against those who would tear it down because we know those people are coming for us next. It's similar to the argument that Elliot Abrams made in a great book in the 90s called Faith or Fear. Abrams argued as a Jew that American Jews should be more comfortable with a Christian America because the alternative is a secular America which will not be good for Judaism. The parallel between Jews and Catholics is imperfect in all sorts of ways, but I think the basic point is the same, and it's true. Also, there are some things that American Protestants could stand to learn from Catholics. Some Protestants seem to have been figuring out recently that they can't trust the public schools. Catholics were on top of that 150 years ago. The astonishing network of Catholic schools that they built are in not such great shape right now, but many of them are still here. Some of them are even showing signs of renewal. Catholic schools that work are teaching their kids many things, some of which Protestants are always going to find a little weird. But they are also conveying to young Americans, unironically and with no scare quotes, some basic truths about the universe, about the moral order, and about what it means to be human. Truths that the founders assumed that all American citizens would have to be learning in order for our republic to work, but that most of our nation's public school teachers have now been told by the school district lawyers they can't even teach in class because of the First Amendment, or maybe even Title IX under this administration. That is one of the many significant and unique contributions to the life of our basically Protestant nation that Catholics can and should be proud of, even today. And so I want to close by appealing to authority, since this is, after all, a Catholic panel. <laughs> Benedict XVI is from Germany, where the Catholic Protestant demographics have actually been relatively similar to America's. On his last trip back to his home country as Pope, Benedict visited a building in Erfurt that was once an Augustinian monastery, Luther's monastery, in fact. There he met with representatives of the German Lutheran Church, the largest denomination in Germany. And he said the following about the relationship between Catholics and Protestants. This is a pope talking, so it's gonna be a bit pious, but I think it's also politically relevant. Long quote. 
It was the error of the Reformation period that for the most part we saw only what divided us. We failed to perceive on an existential level everything that we have in common in the great bedrock of the Holy Scriptures and the early Christian creeds. Today, we recognize this common foundation when we pray and sing together, when we stand up together on behalf of Christian morality in the face of the world, and when we bear witness together in this world to the God of Jesus Christ. Still quoting, the absence of God in our society becomes ever more oppressive. The history of his revelation as narrated to us in the scriptures appears to belong to a past that fades further and further away from us. A central ecumenical task today in which we have to help one another, this is a pope talking to Lutherans, is to believe, to have a deeper and more living faith. Only through a faith that is thought through anew and lived out anew does Christ and with him the living God enter into this world of ours. As the martyrs of the Nazi period led us toward one another and inspired the first great opening of the ecumenical movement, so too today in a secularized world, a faith that is lived out from within is the strongest ecumenical force that leads us toward one another. Close quote. Us again, that is Catholics and Protestants. Thank you. <laughs>